Hey, this is Kerwin Santiago, pastor of Social Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I pray that this message blesses you and helps you grow in your faith to become more like Jesus. Matthew chapter 5. We were in the first two verses, and we've been in the first two verses for these past two weeks. And I just want to go ahead and read them again so that we know where we're at and we can catch up with all all the information about the beginning, the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. And here, Matthew begins by saying in this chapter, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach. And now Matthew will go on for the next couple chapters, all of Matthew chapter 5, all of Matthew chapter 6, and all of Matthew chapter 7 are the words of Jesus' message that we call or consider the Sermon on the Mount. That's what Matthew describes. It's considered to be one of the longest sermons in the Bible. And even for Jesus, it's one of the longest sermons. Now people say Jesus did not preach all that, You know, even though Matthew summarizes many of the things that Jesus might have said in that sermon, uh, Jesus didn't preach all of that in one sitting, right? In one service, in one message, if you want to call it that. He probably preached that throughout a whole summer. You know, it was like summer school. And Matthew took from the best parts of the message or the most important parts of the message of Jesus Christ, of what he came to teach, and he summarized it and put it here in these three chapters that we consider the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the question for Christians for a long time has been, should we as believers try and live like what Jesus is describing? And the reason why that question is important is because if you've ever read the Sermon on the Mount, you know that the things that Jesus says are hard to live by. Hope I have people here and I'm talking to somebody. If you've ever read the Sermon on the Mount, you know that the things that Jesus talks about are hard to live by. He talks about things that are really hard, morally perfect in a sense, right? So when Jesus says, you've heard it say, if you have sexual relationships and you're married with somebody that's not your spouse, you have committed adultery, right? But Jesus takes it a notch higher. And he says, even if you look, now this is what I tell you, if you look at a woman lustfully, you have already committed adultery. That's hard to live by. Those things, he's saying, even just in your mind, the way you think, if it just happens there, you've already done it. So when Christians come to all these things that Jesus says, which are hard to live by, in reality, they're almost impossible to do because none of us, can probably by ourselves attain that level of perfection in the way that we live. We are human beings. We're sinful. And so when Christians come to this, they have to try and resolve that issue. And many have said, you know what? Jesus really wasn't trying to tell us that we need to live like this. Because those are impossible to live by. What Jesus was doing in reality was just showing us these things so that we could see how sinful we are. By looking at them and saying, I could never live like that. And when we look at them and recognize our sinfulness, then we would be able to look to Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. 
But that's, that's not it. That's not the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount. And if we took the Sermon on the Mount that way, then all of us would be just believers in mind but not in body. We would be believers that we talk about something but we never actually live it out. And so my question this morning as I continue to unfold the purpose of this sermon on the mount would be what was the purpose of Jesus teaching this? What was the reason for why he gave this? And for the answer to that, we have to go to the end of the sermon. In chapter 7, verse 24, as Jesus is closing this great sermon, he says in verse 24 of chapter 7, and I'm reading from the New International Version, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Right? The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Now, I think it's kind of obvious that when Jesus finishes his sermon on the mount, he says that these things that everyone has heard him speak of, these principles of life by which they are to live by, this way of being different in the world is not just something that is to be believed. It's something that is to be practiced. Something that is to be done. You see, Jesus said, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. He didn't say whoever hears these words and believes them will be like a man who built his house on top of a rock. No, it's whoever hears the words and actually does the word. It's the one that not only believes the word, it's the one that actually lives this word out. And I came to tell you this morning that I believe that it's time for the church to rise up in this time. And stop hiding within the four walls of this sanctuary or temple that we call. And go out there and not only just believe internally within us the truth of the word of God. But to actually dare to begin to put them into practice and see what might happen because of it. I'm going to say this. Tomorrow is the day that we honor and we celebrate the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who was a man, who was a man, a pastor who not only believed the word, he put it into practice and he spoke up for the truth 
And listen, I have a quote from him because I believe that this really describes the mentality of the church within our culture and throughout the ages. Martin Luther King Jr. said, the contemporary church is often a weak, ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound. It is so often the arch supporter of the status quo. Far from being disturbed by the presence of the church, the power structure of the average community is consoled by the church's silent and often vocal sanction of things as they are. In other words, what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was getting to is that the church having the truth of the word of God, having that word that is supposed to bring liberty, that is supposed to bring freedom, that is supposed to bring equality to all people. The church has taken that word and has kept it hidden within the four walls. Seeing the injustices of the world, the church has hidden away in its cave and it has not really acted out these truths to make a difference. And so if I was to call this message today by anything, I would call it based on something within this quote. He said, so often the church is the arch supporter of the status quo. In other words, it's the arch supporter, it's the foundation. The church is the foundation of keeping things as they are. We like to be comfortable. We don't like to be disturbed. We look around at our situation and we say, as long as we are believing, we're fine. As long as we're not being bothered by anybody, we're okay. But the truth is that the church can no longer afford to continue being a foundation within this culture for the status quo. In fact, I believe that the church has to rise up and become the disturbers of the status quo. I believe that God is getting ready to shake some people up as they read and go through the Sermon on the Mount. That they will hear the words of Jesus Christ resounding within their hearts and in their minds and they will rise up and say I will dare to be different so that I can make a difference within my culture and in society I believe God is getting ready to raise up disturbers of the status quo Turn to somebody and tell them we got to be disturbers of the status quo. That's what the church has to be. That's what the church has to do. We can't just any longer ignore and close our eyes to the reality of the injustices and inequality in our world. We have to be the voice for the voiceless. And that reminds me of this message from this pastor. That he preached this message titled, That's When the Trouble Starts. That's when the trouble starts. And he said this. He said, you've probably been told by your mom, like my mom told me, son, 
if you tell the truth, you won't get in trouble. The problem with that is that that wasn't true. Because the moment that you tell the truth, that's when the trouble actually starts. Can I get an amen, somebody? So our moms lied to us. The truth is that when you dare to say the truth, that's when the trouble actually starts. You see, John the Baptist said the truth and he got beheaded. Jesus told the truth and he got crucified. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said the truth and he was assassinated. Come on, I want you to know and I want to tell you this. That if you also dare to tell the truth or live the truth like it is in the Sermon on the Mount. Can I tell you, that's when the trouble is really going to start in your life. And I don't know who I came to stir up this morning. But I came to shake somebody up. I came to light a fire in somebody's heart. So that they can believe and know. Listen. The words in the Bible are not just meant to be believed. They're meant to be lived out. And when you live them out, they actually do make a difference. I want to prepare you. I want to prepare you for trouble. Because when you actually take these things seriously, you say, you know what? I'm not just going to read these things and believe them. I'm going to live them out. Trouble comes. Trouble comes. And so how do we li li live these truths out? I want to get to that and close this introduction. How do we live these truths out? Because they're not easy. They're not easy. So I want to say this. That in order for us to be able to live these truths out, we have to understand one thing. That it's not by being good and not being bad that we attain this level of living. It's not by following a set of rules or standards. It's not by reading through the sermon and taking out these principles and saying, here's a list of the things I have to do. Check, check, check. No. The, the reality of the Sermon on the Mount, the truths, the principles for living, are a way of life that is only made possible through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the embodiment he is the reality of those truths. I said last week, the reason why Jesus is saying this is how you should live. It's because this is who he is. It's his nature. And so if we are to live these things out, it's not by following a list of things to do. But it's by actually being disciples of Jesus. Because the Bible says here in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, as he saw the crowds, it says he went up on a mountain and the disciples came to him. 
the disciples are students. They are learners of a way of life. And what did Jesus do when the disciples or learners came to him? He began to teach. And he began to teach them a way of life that is also a way of life that we should be living by. But the question again is how do we live these out? And the first way to live these out that I want to give you this morning as we finish this introduction of the Sermon on the Mount is that we live them out by understanding that these truths, these principles, they come to us as a revelation from God. They come to us as the very word of God, as the very commands of God in heaven. And so I want you to get this because a lot of times when it comes to us living in a certain way or doing certain things, the first question that we usually ask when it's time to do something is, who said it? I have four kids to listen to. And when I tell one of my kids to tell another kid of mine, go tell them to turn down the music. They go across the house, because I'm too lazy to get up and go myself. They go for me as my messenger across the house. And they say, turn the music off. And the other one responds, who are you to tell me what to do? And a fight begins. But when he says, daddy says, turn the music off. Things change. Because now it's no longer just anybody saying it. It's someone who has authority. It's someone who has power that is speaking these words and they carry weight. And so when we come to the Sermon on the Mount, it's not just anybody who's saying this. It's God who's saying this. The creator of all things. The one who has all power and authority. And when he speaks these words, they carry that authority and that power. And for that reason, for that reason, when we hear these words, we should not only believe them, we should obey them. Why? Because God said so. And the second question that comes with Truth spoken, commands given, is not only who said that. Sometimes it is how that person that says it is living for them. And so a lot of times when someone tells us you have to do this, and we don't see that person that told us to do that actually living those things out, those words don't carry weight or authority either. Because when they tell us, do this, you say, but you're not doing it. But you're not living it out. But you're not acting that way. But that's not how you are. Why are you telling me to do something that you're not doing? 
So not only does the person and who the person is carry weight and authority in terms of why we should do what we should do. But it's also the fact that not only do they say it and have authority to say it, but it's that it's actually who they are and how they live. And that's why the crowds at the end of the message, after hearing all these great words, the Bible says the crowds after hearing him, they were amazed. They were astonished because he spoke as one with authority. In other words, he was speaking something that he was actually living out. And when we as believers come to the Sermon on the Mount and we read these things Jesus says, live like this, do these things. The reason why, the first one, why we should live these things out is because God is good. And he wants us to be like him. It's because of who he is. When I read the word of God, I have to understand God is good and his ways and his commands are right and they're loving. God knows better than me. Daddy knows better than me. If daddy's telling me turn the music down, I should turn the music down. If somebody's telling me with authority do this, they know better than me. I should actually listen and obey. Number two, not only should we live these truths out because the one who speaks them has authority. And in fact, Jesus wasn't speaking as only a prophet. He was the very word come to life. He was the living one. He actually came to reveal who God was. So through him we see Jesus. We, we see God. And so we do these things because of who he is. He carries weight. He has authority, and I follow him because of who he is. Number two, we should live these out because he's teaching a way of life as it's supposed to be in the kingdom of God. In other words, get this. Everything that Jesus did and the way he lived was altered, and it was done based on what was to come. Everything Jesus did was based on what he knew about the future. The future, based on the word of God, and on what Jesus says is that one day, he will come back for the church. And God will fully establish his kingdom on earth. In the world. And he will rule everybody. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. The kingdom of God will be established one day. That's what the future brings. That's what the future holds. You see, but I can't wait for that future to come. To start living the principles that that kingdom presents. As I look to the future like Jesus did. Everything that I do now is based on what I know about what God is going to do. And that belief that one day Jesus is coming back to rule the world, to establish his kingdom, changes how I live today.
can't lose sight. That's it. But that's what the future brings. We can't get so distracted within our days and our society and our troubles and everything happening today that we forget, my brothers and my sister, that we have a future awaiting for us that is a future in which our God is going to rule the world. He will overcome all evil. Sin will be defeated. Death will be no more. And he will reign forever and ever. And because of that, I start living the kingdom principles now, today. Because as I do that, as I do that, as I start living those out now, even though it's not fully come yet, what I do is that I'm establishing the kingdom of God in my life and in my surroundings. Whenever I live by the words that Jesus gives in the Sermon on the Mount, I am bringing heaven to earth. And I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about. But listen, that's why we should do it. Number one, we should do it because he's God, has all authority, and what he says is good. But I should also do it because that's the kingdom that will be established. And I can establish that now in my life. And begin to live those out now. Some people say, you know, Pastor, it's all good. But I'm not ready to get saved now. I'm not ready to live for Jesus now. I want to live my life now. I want to do my own thing. You know, I want to experience. People have this mentality like if they knew what the future held. Tomorrow's not promised to anyone. The only one that knows the future is God. And even he, knowing that, didn't wait. For it to come fully, he began to practice it now. That's why before he even gets into the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 4 of Matthew, chapter 4 of Matthew, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of God, as it's lived out by the word of God, begins to take effect. You don't have to wait till the future comes for to see the glory of God. No, whatever I do right now, as I live out the words of God right now in my life, they begin to bring glory to God in everything that I do. And I say, I bring glory to God in the way I live. Things begin to change and be different. And last of all, but not least, when we think of what Jesus says in this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. We ask ourselves, how should we live this out? Yes, I know I should obey it because he commands it and God is good. His commands are good. He's a loving God. He wouldn't tell me to do something that, that would be harmful. That would be detrimental to my well-being or to others. He's a good God. And I should obey and live by his words because he is a loving God. He has authority. And if he says it, it must be good. Therefore, I should live it. Number two, I should live it. 
because it's what the future brings. It's what the future will be. It's the kingdom that will be established. It's the reign that will come. The one that will wear the crown. The one that will sit in the throne, that is sitting on the throne. The one that is wearing the crown. He will come in power. He will rule by these standards and these principles. So why wait to start living them out? Why not begin to usher in his kingdom in your own life? Why not begin to bring glory to his name in your house, in your marriage, in your workplace, in your school? Why not begin to establish his kingdom now? Why not begin living by these principles now? by observation the disciples walked with Jesus they ate with Jesus they sat with Jesus they were with him they did life together in community they didn't sit in a classroom on a chair with a desk taking down notes this is how I should live how did they learn to live by seeing and watching him by observing how he lived and that's the way that we learn to do life as a community and as a church as a people of God it's not by following a list it's not by saying, man, we have to do this or God will be mad at us. It's by observing. It's by watching. That's why Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. We learn by imitation. And can I tell you this? If we as the church do not walk by living out his example those that haven't read the word and don't know Jesus when they see us they're not going to live based on what the word says they don't read the word but they see us and if we do not live by it then they will not live by it either you said you see this is not just for the disciples and the chosen and the super spiritual Jesus said, whoever hears my word, whoever, listen, whoever hears my words and puts them into practice will be like the man who built his house on the rock. The wind came. The waves and the water hit that house. But it did not crumble or fall because it was founded upon the rock. And I came to tell you this morning, that rock is Jesus Christ. 
He's our model for living. If we want to live these things out, then we have to look at Him and live like He lives. Because as we do, our lives will become like houses that are built on a strong foundation. The world can fall apart around us. But we will continue to stand. The church will not fall. The church will not fall. But we need to rise up. Church, we need to rise up. And we need to say, God, we're going to take your word seriously. God, we're going to live out your word. We're going to live according to who you are. Lord, we're not just going to believe your word. We're going to put it into practice. We're going to obey it. Stand to your feet this morning. And as we close today, I want to ask you if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and maybe you came here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior you are not his disciple he is not your teacher and Lord but today you say you know what I want to be like him. I want to be his disciple. I don't just want to be part of the crowd, the one that hears the word and is amazed by it. I want to be the one that actually lives by them. I want to be different so that I can make a difference. And I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you, if that's you this morning and you say, I want to be his disciple. I want Jesus to be my teacher, my Lord, my Savior. Can you just raise your hand right there where you're at? I want to pray for you. God bless you. Anybody else that this morning says that's what I want? With your hand raised, everybody, I want you to go ahead. God bless you. You can put your hands down. And I want to ask you to, everybody, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Today I recognize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I recognize that the only one that can actually bring salvation is you. The only one that can make a difference is you, Jesus. So today, I repent of my sins. I confess them before you. I have not lived by your word. I have not lived by those principles. And so I ask you for your forgiveness. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Give me a new heart. I believe that you are the Son of God. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. And I receive that new life in the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. We declare it to be done. Amen and amen. We declare right now a new beginning for you.
Can somebody say this morning, I'm going to be different and I'm going to make a difference. We're going to live these principles. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those who give. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, please subscribe, share, take a screenshot, tag us, and I'll see you next time.